Good morning, good morning. Thank you so much for joining me. This is the podcast, The Endurance of Labor Laws. I'm your lovely host, Leslie Sullivan. Today is episode 231, and we are going to take a brief look at the Library of Congress. This one's very interesting. There is a lot of history to it, but I'm not going to dive into every little thing because that would make this podcast super long, but we might、um, circle back to it later in time. But just some facts about it. The Library of Congress was established April 24, 1800. Of course, its location is in Washington, D.C. In terms of how many items they have, they have 171 million items, so quite a few.、Um, the Library of Congress is available, obviously, to the Congress and to the nation of the United States.、Um, they do loan books out to other libraries across the planet, but the book has to stay within the library and it cannot be checked out. To people of that particular country. So it's one of the ways that we preserve knowledge, which I think is really good. So it's no different than whenever the Library of Congress、um, requests a book, let's say from a library in Spain. Well, that book has to stay within the Library of Congress or whatever the case may be. It cannot leave the building. Now, unfortunately, the Library of Congress has a huge budget. It's ridiculous. It's almost $700 million a year. So the last budget, I don't know from what year this was, but their last budget,、um, meaning the monies they were just given by Congress, just wrote them a check for this, was $684 million. And so not good. They do have a director, they do have a staff. The staff is about 3,105 employees. It's probably gone up just a little bit since then, but still. Spending almost $700 million per year for only about 3,200 employees, that is very excessive.、Um, so, the Library of Congress started out in one building and then it grew over time. Now, the initial donation or the original collection of books、um, you know, was, was donated by different people. So, it's one of those things that it's not always materials that they acquired. You know, that they necessarily purchase per se. Sometimes people will give to the Library of Congress, and that's how it was started. So, really good to do that. So, we kind of need to take into respect here or into account that, you know, like for example, Thomas Jefferson, he donated a whole bunch of stuff, and he gave a lot of stuff to the Library of Congress. And also, the Library of Con- Congress also purchased some items from Thomas Jefferson. And so, there are some people that will say, well, The rich are bad people, or people that have all these books, they don't care about people. Not the case at all. Way back in the day, people like Thomas Jefferson, they, they wanted people to have access to these books. Because what people tend to forget is that libraries were not common back then. It just wasn't. And also, literacy was not common, not like it is today. So, people like Thomas Jefferson and others like him, they wanted literacy to be common and they wanted people to have access to books. If they wanted to read an encyclopedia or to read a document, they should have access to it. But we did not have libraries like we have today. Typically, libraries back in the day were founded and started by the wealthy. So, if you can't stand the wealthy, then you're really stupid because it's the wealthy that, ha- that have paid for. And started almost all of the libraries in the United States. Libraries these days are run and managed by the public sector, meaning, like, for example, the Library of Congress is handled, I think, by federal employees. I don't think it's state employees through Washington, D.C. I don't think that. I'm pretty sure these are federal jobs. 
Um, but other libraries, they typically are managed or run by the city or your town and possibly your state. So they are public sector jobs. But almost all of our libraries were founded and started by rich people that had their own libraries. They had their own books and they wanted people to have access to them because people did not always have access to literature. Because what you have to remember is that prior to the printing press, things were not readily available in terms of print. So if you had a copy or an original of something, it really meant a lot back then and it was very expensive. So again, the printing press came about, you know, people had more libraries and it was usually the rich because they were the ones that could afford this stuff. And it was the rich that actually wanted people to have access to education. So just remember that whenever you're shaming and blaming the wealthy for the woes of the world, that's not very smart of you to do that because without the rich, we wouldn't have a whole lot in terms of capitalism or any kind of economy. Um now unfortunately with the Library of Congress, um there was a, a fire that happened, a pretty large fire that happened in 1851 and it destroyed quite a large selection of books that they had, but they have tried to get other copies of those. Um the Library of Congress has expanded to two other buildings, so total they have about 3 buildings. I think the original building is the most beautiful like when I look at pictures of it these more modern buildings I I just think they're hideous and weird. Um I'm not a big fan of them. Um but what's interesting is that the Library of Congress it actually does have a head librarian. And most of the librarians in times past were men. And so, you know, it has become more open to hiring women for that position. And so I'm not saying that to be sexist, I'm not. I'm just telling you a fact that most of the previous um librarians for this role um to be head of it were men, and a lot of them um a lot of people that are nominated, they're usually nominated um by the president of the United States, and then it has to be confirmed by the US Senate, so it's not something that just happens out of the blue. It's not random. Typically they are picking people that are very much a learned or very much um a historian they they study certain things as their career and so it's one of those things like maybe they worked at like the you know at a university in New York or something or California and they they studied history and you know they're very much a historian so they understand the importance of factual and historical information so that's the kind of person that you want in charge of such a large and i would say very successful congress like the library of congress but here's the thing um the library of congress has gotten very inflated in terms of its budget it does have quite a few items that it is basically a caretaker of but i don't think it justifies 700 700 excuse me million dollars a year i find that to be very excessive and there have been some scandals within the library of congress cuz one of the scandals was I was kind of shocked by this they actually never had an audit until uh, the 1980s <laughs> so <laughs> for a really long time for well over 100 years they never had an audit never and so it wasn't until the 1980s that they actually started having a yearly audit and then what's interesting is that they have a yearly audit but yet they don't spend less money they take on more money and spend more money And so it's kind of like a a rat hole, like pouring your money down a rat hole and they they use the excuse of well we manage quite a bit of items and things like that. Well, that may be true, 
but that doesn't justify almost 700 million dollars our tax dollars going towards something like this that it shouldn't cost that much to handle that kind of material especially when we are advancing into the future especially in terms of uh, digitizing things and things of that nature um so i am concerned that they spend a lot of money i am glad that the library of congress was started and actually the original idea came from thomas jefferson so you know i think that speaks volumes of how much um the the original i guess founders and original americans well, I shouldn't say original founders cuz you can only be a founder if you're a founder but um basically the original americans of america they were so pro america that they wanted everybody to have equal opportunity and equal access to education but it wasn't controlled or dominated by the federal government it was your choice to be educated but at least you had the option to go check out a book and do and do that whereas prior to establishing all these libraries it was very difficult for poor people and the middle class cuz the middle class wasn't very large back then it was very difficult for anyone who was not rich to be educated because you didn't have access to the information and so here you have the rich wanting to make that information accessible by anyone and for anyone and everyone. So if you are anti-rich and you're anti-money, maybe the United States isn't for you. I don't know where you can go and still have a really nice lifestyle, but if you are against capitalism, if you are against the rich, if you are against having easy access to education like libraries, then maybe you should move to a communist country where they purposely keep their people poor and ignorant. Like for example, in North Korea, um they tell their citizens that they invented the internet and that they invented facebook and that america is bad so i mean ignorance is not always bliss sometimes ignorance is very much used against citizens to keep them ignorant and keep them poor but that has not been taking place ever within the united states because over time and from the beginning the foundation and the beginnings of america we have always pushed forward because we have always focused on freedom and democracy and capitalism at least until Biden and Obama got into into office and so i think um it's been a problem i think Jimmy Carter also caused a lot of problems in regards to not having as much freedoms and not having as much democracy because i think whenever you get sometimes when you get really bad democrats in office they do a lot of bad things and they don't help the united states they actually hinder the united states and that poses a pretty big problem because it doesn't help our citizens it hinders them and and it also basically does everything it can to destroy our constitution and destroys our freedoms and i don't think we should throw in the towel i don't think we should ever give up on america i don't think we should ever do that because america you know america is one of the few countries that people actually love and and do everything to come here I mean if if people are trying so hard to come here whether legally or illegally that tells me we've got something really good here and that we should protect it and not allow any type of illegal or unlawful behavior especially in regards to immigration. So we need to be very careful about these things. So just FYI please be aware that the majority of the libraries that were established in the United States were founded and started by the rich and they used their own money 
their own resources, and they often donated their own libraries from their houses to these buildings so that knowledge could be free and could be shared with everyone. Now, I'm not talking about making uh, schools free, like university and, you know, students not paying off their debt. If you owe someone money, <coughs> excuse me, if you owe someone money, you owe them money. So all these students that are for debt forgiveness, you're just a bunch of crooks. Like, you're not, you're not paying your bills. It's like, okay, if someone owes you money, do you think that they should be given debt forgiveness and just leave you out to dry? I don't think so. So needs to say, you know, public libraries, it's pretty much free unless you, like, lose a book or something or you're late, or, you're late on something, excuse me. But here's the thing, just because libraries offer free material and you're free to educate yourself within that realm, that doesn't mean that college educations should be free. Like, that, that's not how this works. But there's so many people, they think that, oh, I can just go to a library and it's free. And then they think, oh, well, I, can go, I should be able to go to any university I want, even a private school, and I shouldn't have to pay for it. You are stingy and you are greedy. How is that any different than the corruption that takes place in Washington or our federal government? I mean, think about it. You know that song, something for nothing ain't for free, got to give me something if you want to be with me? It's very true here. So just recognize that everybody has bills to pay and we're supposed to pay our bills, pay our taxes. And, you know, that helps us and enables us to be very successful because if you pay your bills then you are very much aware of what you owe society and what you owe for a good or a product or a service. And so, if anything, it incentivizes you to work harder and to make more money. So that way, whatever bills you have don't hinder you in the future. So just FYI, be aware of that. But for sure, in regards to libraries and the Library of Congress, next time you meet someone really rich, maybe you should tell them thank you because of all the money that they give away that they don't have to give away. They do a lot for this country that a lot of people don't give them thanks or credit for. That's just my personal opinion, but I just go by what I see and what's going on within the United States. But until next time, I will go ahead and end this podcast. But as usual, I pray that you're happy, healthy, and whole, that you have a wonderful day and a wonderful week. Thank you so much. God bless and bye-bye.
Don't let this world go down with us.